So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. the NFL. Crap games abound with some surprisingly undefeated teams. First, the Bears, Ravens, and Saints get their first win of the season. Second, the Colts are crap and somehow they still win, probably because they played the Jags. And third, a boring week means potentially a crap year for the NFL. Welcome to the surprisingly morbid start of the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. <laughs> Uh, morbid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, this is the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. I'm your American host, Dylan Baker, with the much more not American, yet so much cooler, journalist and analyst, Jonathan Harding. Each week, we take a look at all the happenings in the National Football League and bring you the highlights from around the country. So on and off the pitch, we'll keep you informed and entertained. So turn off your live TV with videos and people who are paid to do this sort of thing, and let's get started. John, it's the wee hours of the morning for the both of us now. How's it going? It's going good. I'm not sure how to approach this podcast though after a morbid intro. Um, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, lots of things to talk about. A couple of very, very dull games that we don't need to talk about. A um, couple of teams winning that we didn't expect to. And hopefully we can spend as little time as possible talking about my team. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with the unfortunate loss to, to my team and the supreme blowing of a lead, we'll probably take up your space with, unfortunately, my space. Both our teams coming off not so hot this week. <laughs> That's for sure. Still, your team has one of those running themes that has been an issue for the NFL that we'll probably touch on as well. I mean, you, your kicker, you know, not the only team to suffer from it, but well, odd how, now, how it's which is always good. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay. Landon Donovan's a new kicker, right? Right, right. That we're all hoping. I like, like, like we were talking about before the podcast. I wouldn't even care if he never hit a field goal ever. I would just be like, "Ha, we got Landon." Look at the shirts he'd sell. Right, right. Well, and be, just as John said, we've we've got a couple of games that we definitely want to spend some time on. Some more games that we definitely don't. So let's kick right off with the important ones. Which, of course, we've got to start with my team. After leading 20-7, 27-7, the Baltimore Ravens take the Steelers to overtime and win off a field goal, 23-20. Ah, that one hurt. That one hurt. Now, I, one thing I will say about the Steelers is I was impressed to a certain extent how the offense continued to run marginally smoothly with Michael Vick at the helm, especially since we're going to be seeing him for a few more weeks now, John. 
is this is this going to be as bad as what I originally feared? I don't know. I probably no. I wouldn't say it is. I mean, I don't think it was that bad. There are a couple of times where he got overwhelmed, but he throws that deep ball and. Um, was it Hayward Bay who makes a catch like with his elbow? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got to have players making plays for quarterbacks like Vic because otherwise, you know, you need people to step up. Otherwise, it's going to be a very long, you know, time where he's in the pocket for Ben. But I think it could be acceptable. You know, he's still got an excellent running game. Um, you only lost this because special teams didn't, didn't get it done. Um, and I think that's what will frustrate Tomlin the most. Um, rightfully fired your kicker uh, can't be the case that he uh, misses like that I think I read some stat that I think that the Chiefs kicker kicked 7 of 7 or something this weekend um, something ridiculous yeah but everyone else just can't kick like what is that all about right. um, well and it's a running theme now and it, it's not even just the extra points because a lot of people will try and put this sort of faulty kicking on on the fact that the extra point has been moved back. But to be fair, kickers, for the most part, have just been not wildly inaccurate, but, I mean, in the case of Josh Scobie, wildly inaccurate. But for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, field goals are just, they're not finding their way between the posts right now. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange occurrence. Massively. But, I mean, you know, you're not, you're not just talking about one-offs, as you said. You know, Scobie misses two field goals. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars kicker misses 53 and 48 and then they lose the game and even more unbelievably he misses the 53 twice because of a Colts penalty right um, oh, sorry not a penalty a, a timeout um, and look at this for a list of, I've got a list here of all the players who missed field goals in the early Sunday games Dan Carpenter Caleb Sturgis Nick Novak Mike Nugent Carl Brinzer Nick Falk Jesus I mean, you know, yes, it's good to see that kicking is becoming, you know, more exciting because I always thought the extra point was an extra waste of time. But <laughs> it's it's nice that it, that has certainly sort of added a bit more competitiveness to it. But why why are sudden why are people suddenly missing uh, field goals? Like why are people like twenty seven yards? Like even things like that, for goodness sake. Um, Minnesota's Blair Walsh missed a thirty eight yard field goal uh, in a three-point loss to Denver, which is, you know, the game. Um, now, I guess I, this might be a decent question, and I'm not sure if there's any sort of there's any sort of way to answer it definitively without without some sort of research that, you know, that, that you and I totally don't have the time to do. But I wonder if, you know, I, I, I opened this sort of topic with, you know, does it have anything to do with the extra points because they're missing field goals Perhaps not. But at the same time, you know, another question might simply be, does the fact that the extra points have been moved back and all of a sudden, you know, these teams, you know, you look at, you know, you, know, you look at teams like the Falcons, you know, they put up 48 points. Uh, you know, does the fact that these extra points are being taken from farther out, do you think that that might affect the mentality of these kickers who are saying, yeah. I don't have chip shots anymore? It must be. It must be. And the other thing I'm finding is a lot of teams are going for two. Um, they are mm -hmm. choosing the option. Um, obviously, it makes sense sometimes in terms of points to just put the game beyond beyond doubt or make it even harder for the opposition. But that means the kicker is getting less and less time 
to to ply his trade, as it were. So that can only increase the pressure when it does come to a 38-yard field goal. I mean, you know, we all expect an NFL kicker to make a 38-yard field goal. So it is a surprise. It's only let's let's not forget that's only five yards more than an extra point. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, yes, the mentality must have uh, must have changed because there's no such thing as as, as a sure thing anymore. But you still can't. And the way in which they're missing, it's not it's not encouraging. You know, these guys are, are drilling them. Like wide right, that was a really bad miss I saw on the weekend. I can't remember if it was, but it was nowhere near the net at the back. Um, and you just sort of think some of them are, are bending it round, and some of them, I mean, you, the Saints kicker, I can't remember his name, but he hit the post. I mean, you, you've got to have a reliable, reliable kicker in your team. I think the Chiefs, and obviously um, Adam Vinatieri, not he's not at the Chiefs, but Adam Vinatieri is the kicker, um, Carlos, Carlos something, Carlos Santos, is it? Uh, yeah, Cairo Santos. Um, those two guys are, are laughing, but you know it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, you wouldn't think so, but uh, you know, it's I, again, it's 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 a tough question to answer because it, you you have to be able to get inside the kicker's head, and you know, other than the quarterback position, you know, uh, kicking is potentially one of the hardest one of the hardest jobs mentally because yeah. there's so much riding on your position. But I think I think one of the things that you know I think one of the things that now the reason that kicking is exciting is because you don't know anymore. Even on the extra points, you just don't know. That does certainly add a level of excitement that the NFL could do with. Although from a Pittsburgh point of view, certainly not. Oh. Especially look at this game. Right, <laughs> right. Well and 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 back to Pittsburgh, you know, it's Vic's not bad and Flacco's not bad, but uh, both offenses are a bit lackluster, uh, you know, on 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 you know, for either side. Um, you know, at least from the passing game, because there were two big rushers in Justin Forsett who walked away with 100. I thought he was great. Yeah, he was, was brilliant. He cut through the Steelers. Yeah, I can't believe that you guys are two and two and they're one and three. That's their first win of the season. Let's not forget that. So it's always difficult for you guys when you lose a game against a side that haven't won because you kind of think, hold on, we should be beating a team. Well, not only that, have... but it's the Ravens. There's a rivalry there. You know, of course. You, you, you expect the Steelers to be up for it. And to a certain extent, they were, but. Something about a twenty to seven lead, and they just—they just—I mean, it looked like they shut off, and Justin Forsett had himself a day. And you don't get any points in the fourth quarter, you know, and that's kind of decisive. I always feel like you got to score late, and even if it's even if it's small points, you know, because uh, just it, keep it ticking over. Seriously, yeah. well, you know, you, you, if Vic and Bell and Brown and Hayward Bay and uh, uh, what's his name uh, Wheaton. You know, if they can put together a coherent drive on their, on, you know, on their way down the field, then I mean, a, a field goal wins it. But again, we have Josh Scobie. You know, you you get to well, you the, had you had. had correct. You know, you get down to the to the thirty yard line, the twenty five yard line. You you know, the Steelers at that point are surely asking yourselves, do you want to put the game in in this guy's hands? And surely the answer is no. Yeah, well, not anymore. It's not right. You have to find someone else. <laughs> Well, and I guess the only other question that I have about this particular game is that the Steelers weren't terrible without Ben. I wouldn't even call them bad. They were they were sort of average. And 20 points isn't a bad, you know, that's not a bad day, but ultimately when you lose to a winless team, there's 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 something about Ben missing that 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 it's sort of foreboding for the next 3 to 5 weeks. 
Yeah, I would say that, but I still think you have enough weapons around you to to make it slightly more bearable. If you think about the fact that you only lost this game because your kicker failed, that should be quite encouraging. Uh, it's not like Vic had a terrible day, blah, blah, blah. And yes, the Ravens haven't won, um, but they're not exactly a terrible team. Um, from their perspective, it will be interesting to see whether their season finally gets started now or whether this was just a, a an advantageous situation for them and they, they got the, the win because someone else failed rather than they succeeded. It will be interesting to see whether this is the turnaround. Do you know who, what, do you know what your schedule is, the Steelers? Do you know who you guys have got next? Because that will be pretty, uh, sort of, you talk about it being difficult without Ben, but, um, depending on opposition, Vic might have a, have a, a good set of weeks. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and it, it's going to be, you know, if we if we make things bad, uh, you know, in 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 relation to Big Ben's injury, uh, we've got the the Chargers next week, uh, and then the Cardinals, and then the mm. Chiefs, and then the Bengals, and then the Raiders, and that's all before you know uh, we we hit the Browns and we hit a bit of a lull, but then it's the Seahawks and then the Colts and then the Bengals and then the Broncos and then the Ravens. And then the Browns again. So it's you know it's we've got a tough season, season defining season yeah. defining next four weeks then basically yeah and and it all falls on 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 Mike Vick's shoulders right now you know he has to see how good of a position he can set Ben up to 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 receive whenever he comes back from injury and if worse comes to worse I mean the Chargers are a good team this year the Cardinals are a fantastic team the Chiefs have seen you know they've had a rough start if you look at their if you look at their win loss. But I mean, they're they're a good team, and the Bengals are riding high. You know, there's a strong chance that four weeks from now, the Bengals are sitting at seven and zero. So yeah. you know, it's uh, that's that's a lot of pressure on a guy like Vic. That is, it is true. But then again, wouldn't you have someone like wouldn't you rather have someone like that than someone inexperienced? Fair, fair. He he doesn't necessarily have the the wheels or the flair that he might have once had. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's better than either one of the McCowns, that's for sure. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> All right, moving on, another big game. Buffalo, surprising loss to the New York Giants. It's 24-10. to uh, You know, Manning doesn't necessarily have the best day, but he's around when it counts with three touchdowns. Uh, and Odell Beckham Jr. with a quiet day. Uh, what do you make of this result? We talk so much about this Bills defense, um, and then they, you know, they allow 24 points. Does it more, does it come down more to the fact that the defense couldn't stop Eli Manning when it counted, or the fact that Tyrod Taylor didn't? necessarily show up today uh less less about 24 points and more about 17 penalties fair enough fair enough 17 penalties many um they had two they had two touchdowns cancelled out because of that um and you have to sort of question the way in which Rex Ryan you know we we he's done a great job there right and he's got the pieces in place and they've started well blah 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 yes 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 but he's also a very emotional coach. We know this. He likes to rant and rave and shout and spit on the sidelines. And I think this was just a case where he lost it. Um, you can't win a game with 17 penalties. Uh, you, I know as a Niners fan, in previous seasons, we had a penalty plague. Um, mm. And we just we, we couldn't get rid of you know personal fouls or offside or face masks or illegal tackling. You know, these things, they completely hamper confidence if you are struggling and you pull out um, a huge play on third and, and 12 and you throw a bomb down the field for 40 yards and suddenly you're close to field goal range but it gets pulled back because of some guy on the o-line 
or whatever it is, if it's on defense and you make a huge play and they get another chance at third down and then they make it, the confidence that gets sapped from your team as a result of that is just, it's just not on, you know, and that, it's just not good. And you're not, not going to win a game like that. Um, and if you're going to do that against any team, then you really don't want to do it against the Giants. No, they do have a tendency They do. And Elon Manning is, I've never really had a particularly high opinion of him, but he does have the ability to, when given a second opportunity, make plays. And you know, more often than not in this game, having a Bills team not tackling well and having an offense, yeah, okay, we have to put Tyrod Taylor on the stand and say he wasn't particularly good. But yeah, you have to say that Eli Manning and his offense were able to take advantage of that, and you still need to do that. So, well, you know, uh, we can say all we want about Tyrod Taylor, and neither side really had some sort of spearhead rushing attack. But you know, after after as as highly as we praised Carlos Williams for his performance last week, he, I mean, he throws up a dud this time. You know, and at a point in time where Tyrod Taylor, you know, young quarterback, experienced per se. In, in that sort of backup role, but, you know, this is his first starting job. You know, you're going to have to expect these sort of inconsistencies, and you can't be having these sorts of inconsistencies with not only the quarterback, but also with the running back. And and Williams had a poor day. Now, the offensive line had a poor day, uh, but, you know, you expect some sort of, you know, a burst running back like Williams to make some space for himself, and he just couldn't. Yeah, I think, I think the Giants' defense deserves some respect uh, in that sense they they knew they had the Bills number and um, I did some research on this and it turns out that part of the reason that they, they did such a good job is that the defensive coordinator on the Giants used to be a, a member of the Ravens staff when Taylor was there so ah, I actually didn't know that it's funny neither did I but it's funny how these things make a difference and how you if you have a a small knowledge of someone's game that you can then end up, that can end up being the difference between winning a game and losing a game. So, Absolutely. yeah, but I think the, the Bills are an exciting team and I really, really hope that they make the playoffs based on the way that they're playing and it would be great to see them there. But they need to make sure that when they get in into situations where they're emotional and hot-headed that they don't let the occasion get the better of them because they won't win games that way. And, um, I know that that's Rex Ryan's philosophy, but it's not a philosophy for long-term success. From a Giants perspective, um, you know they're two and two after a, a start which could have seen them be four and zero if they'd been more intelligent. You know they made some pretty bad basic one hundred and one errors in their opening two games and lost them as a result. Um, but they picked up form at the right time. Um, it's encouraging for Eli that they still won the game, even though Beckham Jr. had a had a quiet day. Uh, they took advantage on the defensive side of the ball when Buffalo were making mistakes, and you know they're playing the Forty ers next week, so they're pretty much looking at three and two. So, <laughs> <laughs> such a defeatist it, perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a realism thing, I think, but they've got every reason to see. When it's kind of scary, but they could go on. You know, they they have a, a good a good chance of of pushing on um their defense as i say wasn't bad their offense is finally coming together quietly despite having all sorts of off-season problems it's looking good 
Yeah, well, I mean, and, and the issue that you run into with a guy like Eli Manning is that, you know, in a game like this where he targets, you know, eight different receivers and, and you know, five of them catch the ball and, he, you know, the touchdowns are spread between uh, Rashad Jennings and Dwayne Harris and Reuben Randall, you know, it, that's the kind of Eli Manning that wins games. And, and you know, their, their defense isn't really all that surprising. I mean, we saw how well they performed against Tony Romo in the opener. Now, the offense made some silly mistakes and you know there were a couple of big plays that were made uh, particularly by Joseph Randall in that opening day uh game but at the same time you know we saw how stout this defense can be so to a certain extent it's not surprising that they can turn a guy like Tyrod Taylor completely around but at the same time it's with the Giants they're a very one-on-one-off kind of team you know usually their offense plays great and their defense is meh and yeah, it's a good. It's a in good other times, the defense is strong, and Eli Manning can't string it together. But this is one where they had both sides of the ball operating like a well-oiled machine, and you can see and the we, difference that that makes. Absolutely, we were just talking about the the, the Steelers' schedule and whether it's a season-defining period. And I think it's the case for a lot of teams. So you look at the Giants' schedule; they have the Niners, and then they have the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Saints, and the Bucks. There's no reason why they can't beat the Niners, right? Because we're in the worst form we've been in in the last five years. Ooh, the Eagles, the Eagles. The Eagles is a team who are hot and cold like some science experiment gone wrong. So you never know whether they're going to explode or melt. So there's a there's a definite possibility they could win there. The Cowboys don't have their QB and they don't have their main wide receiver. And as and as impressive as Brandon Whedon has been, if you don't beat the Saints and you throw a game against the Cardinals, then it's going to be a long year. The Saints, speaking of which, are also the team after the Cowboys for the Giants. And they've just come off a win. They're they're feeling more confident, but at the same time, Drew Brees has a shoulder that he didn't very he didn't pull back very far. And yeah, he got a bomb downfield and they won the game on a massive throw, but it's a winnable game from a Giants perspective. And then the Bucks is like, you know, a free Big Mac. So right. <laughs> to be honest, I it, it sounds ridiculous, but Imagine at week nine if the, the Giants were seven and two. I mean, personally, it, it, it to highlight some of the problems with the NFL, uh, and I don't mean to take the, you know, this is not a slight, but the Panthers are four and zero. Well, the Panthers are four and zero, yes, because they're winning games, but they're going to guarantee themselves a playoff spot because of their division. And I don't know whether that's necessarily a fair reflection on the football. I and mean, it's hard to argue against a side that haven't lost. I'm not saying that sides who go undefeated and don't lose shouldn't get a play, shouldn't make the playoffs, of course, but. If you're in a division, if you're in a division that constantly favors you making the playoffs because the other teams in your division don't ever win anything, then that almost, I've always thought that was a little bit controversial. You know, why should a team who is maybe say nine and seven not make it through in a tough division when you walk through because your division is made of, uh, of the division that, um, Carolina are in, for example, or even the, the Colts division? Um, right, I, that's actually who I was just thinking of. You know, you you look at a oh, you, you know, you look at an eight and eight year when the when the the Titans and the Jags are having a piss poor season, and all of a sudden, right? you look at you're, and you're in a playoff spot. What that? And I don't think that that's a fair representation. Um, I know that's an old old tradition to break, but anyway, that's a side rant. My point is, <laughs> can you imagine if the Giants win all of those games? How scary that would be. Absolutely. Well, and, and with, with such a cake schedule, you would expect them to. All Eli Manning has to do is continue to keep working through his progressions uh-huh. like an elite quarterback. All he does. has to do, though, that's a big claim right, for Eli. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs>
So I, moving on to another one that I definitely want to cover is, of course, John's 49ers. Now, I don't mean to play favorites for all you listeners out there who must be sick and tired of hearing about the Niners and the Steelers, but these were actually two, two games that were worth talking about. Kaepernick again comes up with, I mean, I, 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 I like put, this nickname you've given him. I like this nickname. <laughs> this I was about good. to say, I, I put in the notes at, at this point in time, you know, with, with no touchdowns and five interceptions in the last two games, it's not Kaepernick anymore, it's Kaputnik. Uh, you know, he, he I'm going to I'm going to tweet that later. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to credit you, but that's really good. <laughs> well, and you look at a guy like that and we just, you know, we continue to revert back to the whole athlete argument. He has no incisive passing. And then nope. whenever the whenever the 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 pass rush puts pressure on him, he ends up running the ball. And it was so it was so ineffective for the Niners on offense and everything that they tried. Carlos Hyde, the the train has finally come to a screeching halt as he only puts up 20 yards. And Kaepernick, who's forced to bail uh, 10 different times, uh, decides, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to put up better numbers than our running back, but I, I'm not going to do anything in the air, which is the opposite of what a quarterback should be doing. I mean, it's... Uh, from a defensive perspective, I thought we were really good. Um, I don't think the defense has, has played that well in a long time. I thought that, you know, the, the fact that we restricted Green Bay to 17 points. Absolutely. When we got, That's the strongest offense in the league right now. Right. And we only let them score 17. And we we actually got battered like a fish against Arizona. So, you know, they scored 47 points against us. So kudos to the defense, although you have a defensive leader there. You have a leader. You have Navarro Bowman. And he's obviously said, guys, we can't do this. We can't play like this. And he's got everybody stepping up, and we played much, much better on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball might as well have not been there because that was awful. Kaputnik, as I'm going to call him from now on, <laughs> basically, there was, I think it was, um, might have been in the third or the fourth quarter, but um, a Reggie Bush basically runs right around and he's open, and Kaepernick like stares at him and he throws it into the ground. There are throws that he's not making that college players are making. That and you're high kind of school like, players could make. That high school, that I might make, for goodness <laughs> sake. And I'm English. So. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a fat ex-lineman. I can't throw the ball 25 yards. <laughs> and I just that's what's worrying me. And it looks like the guy's lost his confidence. So we were talking about it off, off air. But the way that the Niners have, have, scheduled, have set up his contract is very interesting. The guy only got $12 million in guarantee uh, in, bon- in a bonus. His guarantees are injury-related, so he's got something like $60 million in an injury guarantee, which is fine. Um, but his his sort of guaranteed uh, performance-based stuff is very low. Uh, it's very friendly for the team. They must have obviously made a decision. And that may be one of the reasons, you know. All these QBs getting huge guarantees and everybody's saying, you know, look at Russell Wilson's deal, stacked, wonderful, Drew Brees, thanks very much. And it's almost like the 49ers have said, we like you, but we're still not sure about you. Um, so he signs a huge deal, but there's not necessarily the confidence that joins the money on the table. Right. And it's I think, almost like I it's almost like the Niners and and Kaepernick are truly on their third date. You know, it's it's yeah, it's, it's deciding it's whether nice or not to go home with one another. Yeah, it's a really nice way of putting it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, the, it now is a, is a key stage. And what do you do? You know, the guy has a as a team friendly contract, so. The Niners have given themselves the assurance of, of not having to bail themselves out of a financial pit hole, which is fine. 
but you have to you have to handle the situation in terms of man management very very carefully. Blaine Gabba is a completely different QB, and um, but he's actually quite a, a, a neat number two. Uh, he's not terrible, but I think he might be given a chance. I know that some Niners fans might be sort of throwing their their, their hands up in the air. Our O-line is a huge, huge issue. I think probably more of an issue than the quarterback position is the O-line because if you give Kaepernick time, there's no reason why he can't perform. We saw that in week one. It feels like 10 years ago, but if well, he gets and, a little bit and more time... And you mentioned week one, though, and that's the, and that's the incredible part about this game. And I kind of I want to wrap up on this point, as I'm sure you do. There's only so long that a Niners fan can talk about the Niners yes, right true. now. <laughs> but uh, week one cap beats the Green Bay Packers. The week yeah. one offense beats the Green Bay Packers. They put up more than 17 points on that defense today. And it has absolutely nothing to do with how the Packers play on defense. The Niners beat themselves. And it's 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 this question of, you know it's there. You know it's there, Colin. You showed that it's there. Where'd it go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very valid. Very valid. All right. And another big team uh, that uh, finally records their first win are uh, Chicago Bears. I promise we're not trying to play favorites here, folks. This is actually <laughs> this is actually an interesting game. The Oakland Raiders fall to two and two as they lose on a last minute fourth quarter drive, game winning field goal, field goal, forty nine yards uh, by Robbie Gould, twenty two to twenty, Chicago over Oakland. Um, you know, and it's on Cutler's return. You know, and, and I guess that's the that's my big question going forward is, I, I mean. The Oakland Maybe they Raiders. just needed a week without him. Maybe they just needed a week without him. But they needed to a week realize... without him and a couple of just absolutely torrential beatings by a couple of mediocre, uh, not mediocre teams. They're strong teams, but at the same time, losing losing by you know twenty twenty to thirty points, and then all of a sudden Cutler comes back and the defense decides to show up again. I mean, doesn't make much sense if you ask me. No, not at all. And this is against the Raiders, right? Who are not exactly. As terrible as we yeah, thought they were, they're in form. So yeah, exactly. So I think they just needed a week without him. And the, the best thing about this is what I read after the game. Um, Martellus Bennett said they threw rocks at Jesus, and Jesus was an excellent guy who did a lot of awesome stuff. <laughs> so it's like that is quote of the year right now. That is so quote of the year. It's like, oh, so so Jay Cutler is Jesus? God, a lot of people will be disappointed. Oh well, a lot of people will be converting if that's the case. <laughs> but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't amazing. But I think Jay Cutler was amazing for Jay Cutler. I mean, two hundred and eighty one yards, two touchdowns, and only one pick. But more importantly than that, he he led the game. He led the game winning drive, sorry, and uh, Robbie Gold made the field goal, which is impressive. Um <laughs> And you know that's that's what the the, the Bears needed. From what I re- I read as well, he played um, he played throughout this game with a, a hamstring injury. So I think he's won a lot of points with his teammates, and uh, it's important for the Bears to finally get themselves going. That's their first win of the season. Oakland, you know, they're two and two, but you know, so are the Giants and so are the Bills. Which you know, if you put that in context, good good work for the Raiders. But uh, fourteen points in the second quarter. And then three and three in the third and fourth, so six in the second half. That's probably a concern. You didn't score a touchdown in your in your second half. That's a problem. Um, hey, nice to see the Bears on the board, but I'm not sure how long it will last for for them. Well, and the the one big name that you have to throw out there that has to be has to be considered wildly important 
for for the Chicago Bears offense right now is Alshon Jeffrey. You know, it, it's in a game like this where where two field goals, really the game winning field goal, are are what decides the game. And if if Gould has uh, you know, if if Gould has a standard kicker day in the new regime of of kicker days in the NFL, then the Bears don't walk away with a win that game. So they need some sort of big red zone presence in order to make sure that they can get the ball to a marquee guy. And Alshon Jeffrey has that on his plate right now. Uh, how important is he going to be to 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 some sort of salvage uh, that the Bears might be able to to collect over the course of the next? Uh, you know, 12 games. Well, if they don't have him, then they don't have, as you say, a red zone threat. And uh, without him, then you can't score points in the air. Then you go back to Matt Forte on the ground. And uh, that's just too much pressure on the guy. Um, you need you need more variation in your offense. And um, if the Bears... Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Don't have that, then they won't even get the four, five, six wins that they want this season. It will be an even longer season than that. And last but not least of the important games I want to touch, yet another first win team with the New Orleans Saints over, it's kind of surprisingly, the Dallas Cowboys. 26 to 20 in the Superdome. 
a big home win for the Saints. And, uh, you know, it's on a day where, unlike some of the other games that we've had the chance to talk about, both of these quarterbacks are clinical, albeit not the biggest threats that they're they're known to be. Brandon Whedon, no picks. Breeze, no picks. Uh, You know, more from a guy like Whedon might have been the difference in this kind of game. But you can tell, again, I know we talked about it last week, but you can tell by the number of passes that he was allowed, that perhaps the Dallas coaching staff doesn't quite trust him in a game where you need to trust a guy like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, I felt like there were too many touches on the ground and they could have made more plays in the air. He he did show some signs of looking like he was able to, to get them in position, but you've got to give the guy credit, right? He leads them down the field to force the game into overtime. And everybody was like, oh, Brandon Whedon, you know, he's no Tony Romo. But he he gets them in position, you know, and then it's a coin toss. What are you going to do about the coin toss? You can't help that if you don't win the coin toss in overtime. And he, he, I think he sort of, his performance goes under the radar there a bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, uh, you know a guy like Breeze, the the... You know, has he been lackluster the past year or two? Yes. But the one thing that you have to get Breeze is that he's always been, he's always had that sort of clutch side to him, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and he did what he does best. You know, he, he, he came up big, 350 some odd yards. Um, you know, he, he, he's, Breeze is back to being Breeze. He dismantles this sort of height issue and gets over the fact uh, that Jimmy Graham isn't there. And he makes sure he goes out there, puts in a performance, and they get their win. Uh, you know, I, I know we've talked about the importance of a guy like Breeze to this particular franchise, but especially now that we've seen what he can do when he comes back, I mean, his performance is going to be, in my opinion, the the the, ter- the determining factor uh, of whether or not the Saints finish with a 500 record or not. Absolutely, and they need his shoulder to get better. There was some interesting analysis in the game that his he wasn't really pulling his arm back very much, and um, in comparison to when he was before the hit on his shoulder, and he still managed to throw the the game winning touchdown. But he has he didn't throw very many deep balls. It was all you know death by a million cuts kind of thing, and uh, by short throws. And I think uh, that's probably going to be the way that their offense goes for the rest of the season until he gets fully healthy. But if they can win games with that, then that's fine. I mean, Mark Ingram also had a good day. We've got to give that guy sure, some credit. Sure. I thought he's been underrated for for quite some time. But you're right. 0-4 would have been almost a non-recoverable situation for them. So finally getting a win on the board takes the pressure off everybody. Now you can take it week by week and not be followed around by that donut. Yeah? Well, and if you look at the last two 0-3, now 1-3 teams that we've talked about between the Bears and, and the Saints, you know, there is, to a certain extent, with the Bears, you can put it on things other than the the typical starting quarterback. You know, Cutler wasn't there in week two, or at least for half of week two. Uh, he wasn't there for week three. Uh, Jimmy Clausen is, I mean, I, 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 I think a, a street light post probably could have thrown the ball better than that. <laughs> uh, he's a horrendous quarterback. Uh, and the defense has been explicitly awful. So when when Cutler comes back, there seems to be this sort of team lift. The team goes out and they get their first win. But with the Saints, Breeze has, I mean, with the exception of the starting of Luke Cowan last week, Breeze has been there. Breeze has been there for three out of the four weeks, and they still just got their first win. So it's yeah, it's not a QB issue. It's it's a team confidence issue. It's everybody on every side of the ball performing definitely. Right, right, and that's that's the that's the scary part is is going forward. You've got to, you know, you've you've got to see more out of Breeze because Breeze is he's he's the 
yeah, without Breeze, this team falls. The, it, it, without Breeze, this is a one in this is a one in fifteen team. Yeah, well, that's a big shout, but you're probably not wrong. They need to maybe make more of the tight end position, even though Jimmy Graham isn't there. They they or at least try and use as much of their offense as they can. Now I know we're done with the wrap up, but I did want to have a mention to a couple of teams just very briefly. Washington being. Um, Philadelphia 23-20 is a pretty big deal because it's the sort of Chip Kelly thing is it still going right, is it still going wrong can't believe that they didn't really win also Bengals being Chiefs 36-21 another 36 points for the Bengals it's like the Bengals are the most hot offense in the NFL at the moment um, who would have thunk it? who would have thunk it, seriously and um, the Rams being the Cardinal 24-22 I have to say the the Rams are so hit and miss. It's like Jack and Hyde. Like some weeks they're really good. They beat the Seahawks. Some weeks they're not very good. And, you know, they look like a whipping boys. But Todd Gurley, their rookie, ran for 146 yards. Um, 106, 106 of those came in the fourth quarter, I believe, um, which is ridiculous. And you got to give Jeff Fisher some credit. He knows how to beat divisional teams. Like, <laughs> the Rams t- regularly perform well against the Seahawks, against the Cardinals, and against the Niners because they know how it goes. Um, just wanted to mention those three things before we go to uh, your little summary and then talking about next week. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 uh, there were a couple more adding on to to what you shouted out as well that I want to that I want to quickly mention as well. You know, the the Jets improved their record of three and one over the Dolphins, um, and we're going to talk more about the 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 Philbin sacking and some of the Tannehill rumors uh, going about right now. But you know, credit to the Jets. You know, uh, they they win, and then we say that they're not going to do it again, and then they win again. We say we're not they're not going to do it again, and then they win again. You know, you got to give credit where credit's due. Chris Ivory has a brilliant game. Game. The Colts win in easily the crappiest game of the season thus far, improving their record somehow to 2-2 two and two over the Jags. The Colts incredibly lucky. Uh, two missed field goals by the Jaguars, so really they're not missing Josh Scobie all that much. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very close game. Uh, Colts shouldn't have won, uh, but the Jaguars didn't necessarily deserve it either. And last but not least, Falcons. Just like I said earlier, 48 points on a on a shambolic Texas team uh, who doesn't get their first points until the fourth quarter. You know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devonta Freeman. They just they they as a unit are a train that it, it, they're an unstoppable force, and it's going to take an immovable object to see their record. Uh, you know, really, really see it drop from uh, anything less than than none defeats. Uh, great, great stat about Devontae Freeman. He's the first running back to rush for seven touchdowns in the first four games since Ladainian Tomlinson in two thousand and five. Big name, big name, and 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 coming from a not a no name. I don't want to say Devonta Freeman's a no name, but he's no, not but one of, he's not one of the marquee running backs in the NFL. That's for sure. But he is he is their starting running back now, though. For sure. Oh, for sure, no questions asked. Coleman is on Coleman is on the fringes so long as Freeman keeps having games like that. All right, and of course, I do want to fly through week five with a couple of real quick 30-second previews. <sighs> Starting on Thursday, potential for a crap game of the week. The Indianapolis Colts go to Texas and play the Texans, and it's getting harder and harder to call the Colts every single week. They're 2-2, two and two, and I'm 2-2 two and two in calling them. <clears throat> It's it's tough, but I'm going to have to hope I improve my record to 3-2. and two. I'm going to have to predict a Colts win because the Texans' defense cannot get it together. I don't think this is going to be an exciting game. I think this is going to be a game that's borderline unwatchable, much like the Colts versus the Jags. But somehow, some way, Andrew Luck 
find some sort of accidental way to actually get a win here. Uh, the only reason I call the Colts is because they're slightly less crap than the Texans. So, yeah, Colts win on Thursday. Okay, right. Well, Bears Chiefs, not, it's difficult. You know, Bears just coming off their first win and Chiefs maybe in a lull both one and three, but I still got to go with the Chiefs. I still fancy them to be a better team. And, you know, if, if Jay Cutler is Jesus, then he was, you know, it's, it's going to be a one-off thing. You know, I'm not sure he's going to be sticking around this week. Yeah, to be honest with you, if Jesus uh, can only win by two points, then uh, serious issues there. Serious issues there. He <laughs> needs to spend a little bit more time in the weight room, perhaps. <laughs> All right, moving on. Seahawks travel to the Bengals. Normally, if you'd asked me last year, if you'd asked me earlier in this year, I might have called the Seattle Seahawks, but there is no way Cincinnati loses this game. They improve to 5-0. and the Seahawks are still struggling to find their stride. Marshawn Lynch not quite getting off the mark. And the Bengals have an offensive unit that seems pretty unstoppable at the moment, like I said. So, yeah, I think this one's pretty easy, uh, which is, again, surprising. Uh, Cincinnati Can you believe went- that? <laughs> Cincinnati I can't believe home. it. Whee! Can't believe it. Cincinnati beating Seahawks. But I agree. And the same for me in the next one. Redskins against Falcons. Uh, Falcons are 4-0, flying high. Julio Jones, as we talked about just a minute ago, with Matt Ryan, Devante Freeman, breaking all sorts of records. I mean, I'm not. This is probably a, a lot easier to call at the beginning of the season than the game you just had. But still, impressive to see the Falcons on such a, a run. So yeah, Falcons against the Redskins definitely going with the birds. All right, second candidate for crap game of the week. Jacksonville goes a little further south down to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. Oh my goodness gracious! Um, Avoid this one. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I'm almost considering calling it a loss and just not calling anybody. But if I have to, because indeed I do have to, I'm going to have to go with the Bucks at home, if not simply Ooh. for home field advantage, I really? guess. Oh, okay. I guess. Maybe Doug Martin has a day because the Jags run defense is bad. Maybe Mike Evans puts up a you know a touchdown or two. Maybe Jameis Winston is relatively convincing. I'm not entirely sure, but there's not much I can say about the Jaguars that I like at the moment. So out of practically necessity to pick one of these two, I'm going to have to go <laughs> with the Buccaneers. Saints and Eagles. Uh, uh, probably the Eagles because they lost last week, so they do a win this week. That's how hot and cold they are. I'm going to go with that logic. <laughs> There it is, folks. There it is. Uh, the Cleveland Browns take on a AFC North uh, divisional matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens coming off a win. Uh, Browns not looking so hot, especially while they're still starting McCown. Since there's no evidence thus far that Manziel has a shot at the starting job, due simply to consistency in the offensive union, <laughs> unit and the fact that Forsett is coming off having a great day against the Steelers, I'm going to have to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Rams against Packers, well, this isn't a divisional roundup, so so far as I'm concerned, it's an easy one to pick. Packers 4-0, they're the best QB in the NFL. Packers all day of the week. Yeah, it's hard to call against the Packers whenever a bad day at the office is still a 17-point win, you know? <laughs> right. So 14-point well, win. Well, sure. Hashtag we got a field goal. Hashtag bad <laughs> at math. so the buffalo bills go to the titans i no idea why the the bills were shut down by the giants so 
so well, but I think that stops even away from home. Uh, Mariota is Mariota, but Mariota up against a, a, a Bills defense that has been, you know, very, very stout for the first four games, even considering their two and two record. I think that's going to be a good test for him. Not entirely sure if he's up for it. Not entirely sure if the administration and the coaching staff is willing to give Mariota the, the amount of throws he'll need to really attempt to prove himself. So yeah, I think based on the stoutness of the defense alone, Bills are going to come away with a win here. Sounds good to me. Cardinals against the Lions. Lions will be 0-5 after this week. Cardinals bounce back from their defeat to the Rams, and uh, they will see off the Lions and keep their donut looking very tasty. Indeed, indeed. We're going to have to put them on predict the record sometime soon because I'd, I'd, I'd love to see what you think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the New England Patriots take on the Cowboys. I'm not even sure if this is even a question. Brandon Whedon is not bad, but they're having issues on the offensive side of the ball right now, and Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I don't think the, the Patriots are going to have a 16-0 season, but this is not where they record their first loss, New England win. Agreed, agreed. Broncos, Raiders, same thing. They're not going to have a 16-0 season, but it's the Raiders, and they're a little bit hit and miss, and Peyton Manning obviously listens to the show and wants to keep proving us wrong, so right. Broncos. There you go. Oh, you get to call, you get to call Niners, Giants. That's I so do. You get to call the Steelers. How appropriate. That's probably a good thing, though, because <laughs> I obviously think that we're going to get stuffed. So, Well, and to be honest with you, I'm going to have to go Niners. Yes, yes, <laughs> And for, for literally no other reason other than the fact that what I saw out of Kaepernick in week one is just, it's still there. It's We're not far enough in the season yet where I've forgotten about it. I know you haven't forgotten about it either. And knowing knowing that there's only a small chance that you that you turn down the opportunity to use a guy like Kaepernick over a guy like Gabbard, he did not have even remotely close to a good tenure at Jacksonville. And I'm not sure if the 49ers are quite as unimpressed with, with Kaepernick enough to start Gabbard over the top of him. So I think Cap goes out. I think he has to be, has to be humbled by these last two or three games. And surprisingly, I think that they're going to come up with a win. The, 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 the Niners defense is strong. All we need is Cap to get himself together. I like it. I'm so happy. You can have a beer on me. You might not want a beer on. You might not want. You might not buy me one though, because uh, I think the Chargers are going to beat the Steelers. I think um, that's fair. Uh, Philip Rivers has, has had a wonderful week. Week just gone. Uh, Steelers probably still a little bit sort of stupefied how they lost to the Ravens. Both teams are two and two, but I think it, it's going to be a, a, a loss for you guys. I, I'm not sure there's. But it's going to be enough, and I think if the Chargers get in Vic's face, then then that will be that. That will be that indeed, and so too uh, is the end of the previews. Now I had a couple of notes uh, jotted down here, uh, but you know, uh, just for respect to time, uh, I you know I think the main one that I want to talk about is the Joe Philbin firing. Uh, for, you know, after the Dolphins have a you know have a kind of sputtering start. Uh, with one and three, you know, one of those losses being to Jacksonville, which you almost can't say without a smile. Um, <laughs> you know, I, we had talked about this earlier today whenever the news broke. You know, the, the Dolphins and the team that they have and the structure in which they've been playing, they haven't been playing horrendously. And it, it almost feels like the Dolphins are back on the brink of success. So how crucial is this next appointment for uh, head coach uh, for not only the remainder of the season, but potentially for the next several? 
Ah, huge. I mean, you've got a side that have, uh, who probably are ready to make the playoffs and you look at all the sides of the ball, they put so much money into the defense. Tannehill isn't a bad QB. Question marks about whether he's a good person. But <laughs> We'll get on that here in just a second. <laughs> yeah. But they have weapons. You have players that can to make the difference. They have defensive players. They have leaders. They have performers. They have promising talents. There's, it's all there. They just need someone to put it in the right place and guide it in the right direction. They are, they are a playoff team. They're ready to be a playoff team, as, as tough as their division is. But they just need the right kind of appointment. And um, it will take someone... I'd be tempted to make an experienced appointment. I mean, it's difficult to say. Dolphins fans will know more about it than I will. But I would be tempted to have someone who just knows what, what to do in this situation and can take them forward properly because... I'm not sure they can really afford to wait another season or two or three to get themselves into position and for the, the coach to really be ready. You know, I think the pieces are there and they just need someone to come in and make sure that they can do it next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in, in a situation like this, it, there are basically two decisions to make. Do you go with experience or do you go with promise? And and I, I think I'm on the same page as you. There are times where you can put your trust into someone young, perhaps someone inexperienced, uh, you know, uh, maybe a promotion from within the ranks of the, of the Dolphins coaching staff. But at this particular point, not only do you need a turnaround, but you need somebody who can lay the foundation for this sort of inexperienced, you know, uh, sort of coach, this sort of hot young talent to come in and, and really make a difference. Um, you know, so getting somebody in to sort of right the ship and and get this Dolphins team back into the playoffs, or at least in playoff contention, I think is going to be huge right now. And they're going to have to make a decision quick. Yeah, definitely. And it will also be interesting to see how they manage the the, the, the egos because, you know, there are obviously some egos in this team. And to be honest with you, without much reason, you know, there was talk of whether there was another stamp from Mendon and Sue on the weekend and mm-hmm. – you know, Ryan Tannehill hasn't exactly got the friendliest manner by all accounts. Yeah, Sounds you know, like let's there go ahead problems. and talk about that. That was a, a heck of a story that you showed me earlier. Um, uh, Phil, for anyone who hasn't caught this, it's incredible information about a guy like Tannehill, who's for the most part a relatively quiet quarterback. Uh, John, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take this one. I, I, I believe you know a little bit more about it than me. Well, there was a lot of talk about the fact that this situation comes from Tannehill sounded like someone who's just bigger or too big for his own boots, really. Um, the guy in, in practice sessions was apparently someone who, who said to practice squad players, enjoy your practice squad paycheck, enjoy your practice squad trophy. Um, and a lot of the practice squad players had been forcing turnovers on Tannehill and it had been frustrating him and he was sort of chipping back at them and what I feel like was the wrong coaching decision at that point Joe Philbin then said can you please take it easy on Tannehill so that he doesn't lose his confidence and you know so many things wrong with that in my opinion you a Ryan Tannehill's reaction to that is completely unprofessional and won't win him any points in the locker room he won't be seen as the leader every QB in a successful team that wins a Super Bowl is seen as a leader and someone who guides and inspires people on the pitch. That won't be the case if Ryan Tannehill is is the type of person that he is based on on these kind of accusations and reports. People won't look to him for that kind of uh, inspiration. And if he's not making friends with people who 
are trying to make their way and trying to make an impact in the NFL. We all know how difficult it is to become a player and hold down a spot and be a consistent performer. You know, there's no need for someone who is a QB to make those acquisitions, let alone a QB who hasn't necessarily achieved very much. You know, okay, he right, has right. Been involved- they they may be getting their practice squad trophies, but Tannehill has zero, absolutely yeah, zero. Exactly. What what gives you the right? You know, um, and even the players who who have the right, um, they don't do it because they're better than that. So there's that. Um, I don't think Joe Philbin really should have reacted that way. Let's ease up on him. It should have been a conversation with, I, I'd like to think he also spoke to Tannehill and said that's not the way that you speak to any member of this organization, even if they're a guest member of the organization. Uh, there are a lot, there are just ways and ways to handle this situation. And it sounds like this whole situation is imploding. And by all accounts, on the way back from London, most of the Dolphins players stayed up all night talking about the situation talking about how to deal with the coach, talking about how to deal with the QB. And that does show you that there is a sense of unity. At least there's a sense of they're all in the same boat and at least people are talking about it. Whether it gets solved or not is another thing. Uh, the appointment will have a big impact on that, but they could just explode. You know, They could just go completely downhill and it'll be interesting to see what they are look what they look like and how they talk to each other next week. Oh, they're on bye. So maybe this is a perfect time for them to have a bye week, to be honest with you, and get their stuff together. But when they come out the week after, it will be interesting to see what they look like and how they correspond with one another. Yeah, and who's heading you know, who who who's captaining this this sort of ship and Exactly. I, and, and you know, I think the I think the shout, especially with uh, with Philbin's reaction to to the whole, you know, this sort of rumored Tannehill debacle is uh, it, it, it harkens back again to to this sort of uh you know experienced coach shout uh that you made you know anybody who's been in the nfl for for 10 years for 15 years for 20 years you know they catch a quarterback doing that and they don't they don't mess around with something like that. They 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 take Tannehill off to the side. You know, I, yeah. I, I I sit here and I imagine what Jeff Fisher probably would have said to to Tannehill rather than you know, hey, take it easy on the guy. He's a young quarterback. Jeff Fisher would have would have just laid into him. You know, and, and maybe that's what a guy like that needs. Maybe that's what you know in in relation to you know other senior quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe that's what a kid. Like that. Well, what are you saying by not saying? What are you saying to him if you say to the, if your initial reaction is to go to the practice court and say ease up on him? You're saying to this young kid that he can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants, and that's no way to build a foundation for a healthy team. And you can't give someone like that. Like, exactly, and he makes him arrogant and confident and think that he's amazing. The guy needs to have a reality check. What has he won? What has he achieved? Yes, he's, he can be a good QB. He's shown that he has the potential to lead this side to the playoffs. Does he have the character to do it? Well, it doesn't look like it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, enough on douchebag quarterbacks. On to <laughs> phase three, predict the record. Now, John has seen absolutely none of this, so I'll be throwing, just like always, these four teams right in his face and saying predict the record. No explanation, none of that horse hockey. He just is hes going to throw it out there, and we'll see how it goes at the end of the season. Sir Harding, are you ready? Sir Harding, wow, that's some high praise, sir. <laughs> All right. Predict the record. Number one, Chicago Bears. Oh, you went with the Bears? Yeah. Seriously? Oh. Um, what are they now? One and one and three? One and three. Ha! <laughs> oh, okay, so we've got 12 games to go. 12 games split. Jay Cutler is Jesus. <laughs> Uh, they're not going to win more than five, so four and twelve. Ooh, worse than last season, huh? Yeah, yeah, 
Okay. All right. Hate my, me. Hate me, Bears fans. I'm sorry. My family will be looking for you this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> predict oh, the record. Fun, it's nice to meet them. <laughs> All right. Predict the record number two. Another interesting one. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. 11 and 5. 11 and, oh, a bit of a drop off, sir. No, no, no. 12 and 4. 12 and 4. Uh, all right, all right. No more edits for you. That's your one. So these <laughs> next two better be spot on. Predict the record number three Oakland Raiders. Um, they're going to do better than the Bears. So I said. God, I hope so. Five and a, did I say five and eleven for the Bears? I believe that was your. You, you, I think you went with four and twelve. Four and twelve. Well, then I'm going to go six and ten for the Raiders. All right, and last but well, potentially least, the New York Jets. Great start, three and one. Fear the beard. <laughs> it makes it difficult. <laughs> Nine and seven. I'm 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 stunned by that. This is one of those ones where I want an explanation, but I know we can't have it. We just have to see if you're right at the end. <laughs> well, based on all my other predictions, I'm definitely wrong. <laughs> all right, folks, and last but not least, as always, the fourth and five NFL podcast is put out by the Anfield Index, which is you know, of course, a Liverpool-run group. It is a footballing-run group. So what we want to do is, for, for all those fans that might be taking an interest in the NFL, for all those fans that do have an interest in the NFL but maybe don't have a team to support, uh, John and I always like to take two teams a week, one apiece, uh, and, and, and connect them. We want to make soccer teams NFL teams and vice versa. So, John, who you bring into the table this week? Well, it's taken some some work. I think uh, a little it's getting bit of time, harder. Yeah. yeah, it takes it gets harder and harder the longer we uh, the longer we go on and the more comparisons we make. So, if some of them are a little thin on the ground, then we for, forgive us. But we're just trying to combine the two sports that are closest to our hearts. Um, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints and Wolfsburg. Sounds like a little bit of a, a, a crazy comparison, but. New Orleans Saints off the field, their stadium is sort of backed and sponsored by Mercedes. So you have the automobile link, uh, obviously Wolfsburg being a Volkswagen club. Um, both clubs have had recent success with Super Bowl wins, which sort of, or, 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 or titles, league titles. And I think that's sort of maybe an anomaly in what's considered the normal um, teams that are in, in the mix. And both teams haven't really started that well. Now, Wolfsburg, it's probably a little bit unfair on them to some respect because they have started a little bit better than, than New Orleans with a one and three record. But um, I think that the comparison is there. The biggest one and the most obvious thing to me is that New Orleans State sold their best player or got rid of their best player last year, and that was Jimmy Graham. Wolfsburg did the same in Kevin De Bruyne. So although it's gold and green and they don't necessarily go well together, if you are a Wolfsburg fan, then I would urge you to be a New Orleans Saints fan and vice versa. May not be the best year for Wolfsburg fans to to be to be Saints fans, uh, and for for fans of either team, uh, the the comparison. Oh, you should you should like both these teams because uh, you know you sold off your best player and now it's kind of struggling. That may not be necessarily the best indictment, but hey, you can join in sadness together. <laughs> exactly. Who are you going for? 
Well, I, I, I kind of ran along a similar line with a couple of different offshoots. Uh, I, I'm going with the New York Giants and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, staying in your uh, current country of Germany, staying away from the Premier League this week. Top um, pronunciation there, by the way, top pronunciation. Really, really, that was on accident. I was just winging that, so uh, much appreciated. Um, you know, in much the same way that you compared Wolfsburg with the Saints, uh, you know, with the Giants and, and, and Mönchengladbach, it's, uh, you know, there, there have been plenty of recent successes. You know, Gladbach has been in and around the top four. Uh, you know, this year they, they have performed so well last year that they found themselves in the Champions League. For the Giants, success is a little bit farther in, in history, but, you know, two recent Super Bowl wins keeps them, keeps them in and around this sort of, this sort of, you know, they're a top team. They're not playing that well. It's the same thing with Gladbach. Uh, but a couple other different comparisons that I think are strong, uh, between these two. Um, they had, or up until recently, they had, uh, two, two, two coaches, two managers that were, uh, that had been there for quite some time. You know, the Giants obviously have Tom Coughlin, uh, the, and Gladbach all the way up until very recently had Lucien Favre, who's one of the highest, highly, more highly rated coaches in Europe at the moment. Uh, now he's been fired, uh, which is a big difference. And, uh, another comparison that I might bring into it is that perhaps it's time for Coughlin to go as well, but that is, uh, another topic for another day. Uh, the other thing that I, that I, you know, really found strong between those two is both Gladbach and the Giants are, are, uh, they have young players. They have youth that are major contributors, uh, to their, to their success. Uh, Gladbach, you know, a, a couple of crucial players are, uh, you know, a young goalkeeper, Ian Summer. Uh, they've also got Granite Xhaka in the sort of, you know, defensive, deep lying midfielder, uh, a little bit further forward. They've got Eden Hazard's younger brother, Torgan Hazard, uh, that are, that, you know, all these, all three of them are huge, huge players in, in, in this sort of, in, in this team. Uh, and for the Giants, they have the same sort of, you know, impacts on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, obviously the one that we talk about the most is Odo Beckham Jr. Uh, but also you've got a guy like Ruben Randall who's relatively young. I think he's only a year older than me and that just was sort of 24, 25 range. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, Prince of Mukamura is, is only a, you know, a, a, a few years into his career. So, you know, if, I think if you're a Gladbach fan, I think you're going to enjoy the way that the New York Giants play, especially because you know that going through this season, it's a bit of an off year and that's okay. Uh, you know, cause both these teams, they have the, they have the, the backing. They've got the players to, to, to really build themselves for future seasons. So Gladbach and Giants, that's, that's what I've got this week. I like it, sir. That's always good to hear. Your approval, especially when talking about your home country, is very, very important. Well, you know, Germany, home from home. <laughs> Got to make sure that people get it right. <laughs> All right, folks, that is the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. First, the crap game of the week, officially, we took a vote, goes to the Jags versus the Bucks <laughs> for week 5. Uh, second, Tannehill is mean to his practice squad again and probably gets shanked in a back alley in between games on their bye week. And third, several bounce backs might come into play in what I believe to be a crap year in the NFL. Uh, we've already seen a few teams come, come away with their first win. Uh, a couple of teams improved to two and two that, you know, some should be, some shouldn't be. Uh, so I, I, I think this is going to be another interesting week as four teams sit out, 12 games to cover. It's going to be a good one, John. It is, and uh, as you say, crap year for the NFL. Maybe a little change. Uh, maybe a little change. Maybe it'll change. All right, folks. 
I'm Dylan Baker. And I'm Jonathan Hardy. And that's the game. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 